You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Brother Rossi, you got your mic all ready to go, fired up. Let's give Brother Rossi a Victory Baptist welcome as he comes to preach for us tonight for Missions Revival. Love you, brother. Oh, good to so see good you, man. To see you, Praise brother. God for you. Thank you for yes, being sir. here. Amen. If you're glad to be saved tonight, say amen. amen. And uh, man, I'm glad to be here. Uh, I went online. I lost the church address. And so I just went up on Google, looked up uh, the, the church, and it put me on a little with a church number and the address and I hit it and it put me on Google. I thought, make sure it's the right one. Well, uh, there was the website in the whole little link there. So I looked that up. This is the right place. You know, this place has two addresses. One of them is way across town. We were crossing the river. I said, this is not the right place. And, uh, I said, wait a minute, honey. I said, so we started going through and I found a text from the pastor and on Boiling Road that uh, we turned around, started coming back. Susan started navigating. That usually is not great. But anyway, uh, we have a little, you know, I, I, I'm a little bit OCD on this stuff. And I turn here, turn there. Man, how many of you would rather get lost and go uh, 50 miles out of the way than listen to your wife's directions? Amen. I mean, my brother passed away and he, uh, he bought this fancy new car and uh, he didn't know how to use it. I mean, he didn't know how to use the navigation. And we're riding and it was an English British voice and it was going, a female, she was going, turn left right here. He's going, be quiet. He's yelling at her stuff. I said, Dennis, you can't tell that to be quiet. This is a computer. This is AI or whatever they call it. But anyway, we got here okay. Right when we pulled in, our daughter Bethany finally called Susan. Today is her birthday. So she's standing out there and talking to Bethany. She'll be in a moment. I'll introduce my better half to you. And uh, how many of you guys married up? Could I see your hands? I married way up. Amen. So, and uh, by the way, usually when she's navigating, she's usually right. But I'd rather take that detour anytime. All right. But uh, that's just man pride. That's all that is. And uh, it is good to be here. So good to see you on the video, uh, Travis and Terry Snowed. And Terry, uh, formerly Terry Smith, grew up in our church years ago in Atlanta. I remember the night when God called her to the, I started to say God called her to preach. That didn't happen. But I mean, God called her to the mission field and she surrendered and started to prepare her life. I was on Sand Mountain Bible Camp uh, having a great men's meeting. We had a great prayer meeting up there. And uh, it was a prayer conference with a, a number of men. And uh, I was there the night when Travis Snowd was called to go to the mission field and several other men out of that, uh, that church and uh, just a real moving of God. Uh, at Whitfield Baptist back in the 90s, and uh, Pastor Cofield, myself, we were just having a wonderful time, young men, young women being called, and many of them are on the mission field and, uh, and pastoring churches and all that to this very day. So it is a blessing to see that God is still calling young people, and I appreciate uh, these presentations, and uh, we'll be praying for uh, this young lady, for Miss Bethany Norris, for the Lord's hand upon her life. And uh, pray much for the family of Pastor David McCoy. Um, uh, Pastor may have already announced that, but 
Uh, Brother McCoy is a dear friend of mine, and uh, Brother McCoy uh, went to be went to heaven uh, early today, early this afternoon. Uh, he battled COVID-19. He had a lot of other complications, and he's been in the hospital for weeks now. We've been praying for him, and uh, I was really shocked to hear that news. And uh, heaven is a sweeter place, but pray for his family and the Lord's hand upon them. You know, Brother McCoy... Uh, he was a funny guy. Uh, have you ever heard Brother McCoy preach? And anybody? All right. He was a he was a funny man. And it's one thing to be funny, but he had more than humor in his life. He he had the power of God. He had a real way to communicate that few people can communicate. And uh, yet I've been around, I've been with him in person. I've been with him in private. And uh, he loved the Lord. And he was a good man of God. And he, he loved the Lord with all of his heart. Well, I heard the pastor say we want to be brief here. I know you now have a Christian school, and uh, you want to get ready for school tomorrow to teach the young people and all that. And uh, so let's get right into it. John chapter 19. John's gospel, chapter number 19. John chapter number 19. I've always said that if I had an enemy... I don't have to fight and argue with them. I'll just pray they'll start a Christian school. But anyway, uh, such would not be the case with your pastor. He's my dear friend, and I thank God for Pastor Coburnat. I met him all the way back in his early days, a uh, young man, a fervent young man at Golden State Baptist College, and I've known uh, Hannah uh, for and uh, other people like them around them for a number of years and got to know Grace and all them, but uh, we have always loved the Coburnats. We appreciate uh, meeting Pastor Brown and Joanna and his family and all the, I don't know how many siblings you have. Uh, how many is it? Seven. Seven. Okay, Joanna, Joseph, uh, Joanna, Joe, Daniel, uh, Rachel, Leah. That's five of them. That's pretty good. Never, I'll stop right there. But anyway, and, uh, but we met, the, met the, them in Bible college. They were on fire and stirred up. And God put their hearts together, watched their lives as they've grown, and uh, served with his dad up there in Geneseo for a number of years, and how God's given him a great church here. I couldn't believe it when I heard that Pastor Coburnack came here uh, to Victory Baptist Church. And it seems like yesterday, it's been a while now, I guess, and uh, the Lord's been good. We used the prototype of this pulpit. Uh, we built a new pulpit in our church, and... We built one very similar to this, and I asked the pastor to send me the pictures of it and uh, some of the specs, and I mean, I, I pestered him to death to get all the dimensions. I, uh, I thought, he's not going to answer my calls anymore. Exactly how many inches is it from the lip of the pulpit to the back? But we built one very similar, and we're finishing up the renovation in our auditorium uh, this next month. I'll send pastor a picture of it all when it gets done. John chapter 19. John Chapter number 19. I'd like to begin reading in verse number 16. I feel like uh, the men, there were three men that went out, and uh, man, they were uh, went out hunting together. They had a guide, and this paid hunting guide took them all out in the woods. He said, now men, I guarantee you all three of you are going to get a deer. This is a great place. There's deer everywhere. He said, now I want all of you to wait for me 
do not shoot until I tell you. You got it? Yes, sir. No problem. Man, a few minutes later, uh, a huge buck came walking by. I mean, great big rack. And uh, they looked at the deer. They fired all three at the same time. And uh, the, the guy said, I told you guys not to fire at the same time. So wait right here. He went out in the, uh, to the field, got the buck, looked at it, came back. He said, okay, I think I know who shot it. He said, well, how? He said, first of all, sir, aren't you a, a, an attorney? He said, yes, sir, I'm an attorney. He said, you did not shoot the deer. He said, aren't you an accountant? He said, uh, yeah, I'm an accountant. He said, you did not shoot the deer. He said, sir, what do you do? He said, I'm a Baptist preacher. He said, you shot the deer. The bullet went in one ear and right out the other. We'll try not, we'll try not to do that tonight. John 19, let's all stand together for the reading of the Word of God. John chapter 19, verse number 16. Verse number 16. Then delivered he the, the, him therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. And he, bearing his cross, went forth in a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew, Golgotha, where they crucified him and two other with him on either side, one, and what? Jesus in the midst. Jesus in the midst. I'd like to start off these meetings tonight with what I feel is the greatest need of the hour in this generation. How many believe tonight that America, as we know it, maybe even as we knew it, is in great trouble? Amen? America is struggling tonight. We have forces from within that are trying to destroy our republic from the inside out. Make no mistake, this is not an accident. This is contrived. It is well planned. And the great desire, and I'll preach about this tomorrow night, is for America to be rolled into the global community, into the World Economic Forum, and through uh, Franz or Klaus Schwab and others to bring about what they call the Great Reset and bring us all in line together with a global one world community. Does it sound familiar? If you don't believe that, read Revelation chapter 13 as the Word of God unfolds, unravels, and is being fulfilled before our very eyes. But I'm not, I'm not worried. I'm not upset. I know where I'm going. I know my Redeemer liveth. Amen? Our future as the children of God is settled. Now, let me try this. How many of you are saved tonight? Can I see your hand? How many of you are saved and glad of it? Amen? And our future as saved people is settled tonight. The only thing that really matters is to get some of the 8 million people in the UK, in the Principality of London, to get some of those people saved. What really matters is for us to get the gospel to central South America, to the 1040 window, to other parts of the world that have not even really heard a clear and powerful presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so our goal as God's people must be, through this missions conference, 
to get the gospel out of these four walls and get the gospel to the uttermost part of the earth. But tonight, I'd like us to look at how in the world that's ever going to occur. They crucified Him. The Bible says that when they crucified Him with these malefactors in another portion of the Scripture, they led Him away where they crucified Him, two other with Him, on other side one, and Jesus in the midst. Jesus in the midst. If we can just get Jesus in the house, if we can just get Jesus among us, if we can just get to the place where we walk out of church and say, hey, did you see Bubba? No, I didn't see Bubba. Did you see Delbert? Was he there last night? I didn't see Delbert either. Did you see Susie or Rebecca? Didn't see her either. Well, man, who was there? I don't know. I saw no man save Jesus only. I came to church and I saw Christ crucified, risen, lifted up because I came to church and Jesus was in the midst. That's what I want to speak about tonight, Jesus in the midst. Our Father, we thank you tonight for your grace, which is all sufficient. We pray that the McCoy family might know you in the midst of their sorrow right now. That in the midst of their loss, they might see you in all of your goodness and grace. We pray that you'll meet the missionaries' needs tonight, each one. May you speak to our hearts how we can be involved. And then, Father, wherever they go, may they sense your presence as you go and walk in the midst of their work for thee. Father, thank you for this time we have tonight. Settle upon us, we ask. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, all of God's people said together, amen. amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing for so long. I don't really know how to turn this, all this technology off. That'll be good enough. All right. Our text is a great chapter in our Bible. It is the account of the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is given in great detail in the four gospel narratives and each one describes in a different way, in a bit, a different perspective, the same event. And if you take those same events, you begin to put them all together and make what we call a synopsis of the gospel. You get a great picture of what happened at the death and the burial and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Several of the gospel accounts make note of the fact that when Jesus was crucified, He was crucified between two men. In one portion of the Scripture, they are called malefactors. These are lawbreakers. These are criminals. In another portion, they are simply called two thieves. One on the right, the other on the left. One of the most famous portions of Scripture where the one thief asked the Lord Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. I mean, he got the assurance that he was going to heaven. Guess what? He never got baptized. 
He never got Simonized, homogenized, pasteurized, or churchized. He never even went to church. He got saved by the grace of God, and that's good enough. Why? For by grace he is saved through faith. Yet, we find in this strange event, the Bible said that there was one on either side, one, and Jesus in the midst. If you study your Bible, you're going to find this phrase is, it occurs, a lot, it occurs a lot from Genesis all the way to the end of the Bible, the book of Revelation. I remember as a young believer, stirred up, excited, I just got saved. I came to church on a Sunday night for the first time. They were memorizing the books of the Bible. The pastor said, okay, open up the index and start reading. I couldn't wait. And uh, we were all reading out loud, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. I couldn't even pronounce the names. I got to uh, the Old Testament, uh, one of the patriarchs. I said, Job, loudly. I got it all messed up. I thought uh, Malachi was an Italian prophet, Malachi. But I mean, I had it all messed up. And I'll never forget when I got to the end, Revelation. And I went, the only one in the church concordance. And everybody looked at me, but that great last book in your Bible, the book of Revelation, we find him there in the midst of the river of the tree of life. And we find Jesus from Genesis all the way through the Revelation. You can relax. I'm not going to preach all of it tonight, but I want to spend a few moments looking at this little thought, Jesus in the midst. We find him all the way back in the creation account. We find Jesus in the midst of creation. I remember as a high school boy, starting my first year of high school, I'd never been to biology before. My parents could not afford to send me back to private school. I was raised in a Catholic church and went to the Catholic school, and they ran out of money. We were, I was a seventh out of eight children, and uh, we uh, had to go to a public school. My brother and I did. And I went to Parkville, uh, Parkville Senior High, went into high school biology class. I was so excited. And the teacher started teaching us the, uh, what, how we came about and the theory of evolution. Man, I sat there. I thought this is the greatest thing I've ever heard. They said there was this large, uh, first it all started with a little cosmic speck. That little speck started to swirl and became a little cosmic dust cloud. Then the cloud began to get bigger and bigger. And after millions of years and millions of years. Each event occurred. Eventually there was land, there was earth, there was water, there were stars after millions and millions of years. And then out of that water crawled a tadpole up on the ground. And the tadpole began to grow lungs and began to crawl around. First became a mouse, then became a little chipmunk, and eventually became uh, a little monkey. Uh, and then that monkey got bigger and it kind of climbed around the trees. I thought this is the greatest thing I'd ever heard in my life. And then they said these apes climbing around the trees uh, became uh, larger apes and what they called primates and would stand on their uh, hind legs and eventually those apes became men. They became humans. That's where suddenly it all broke down in my life. I had been to the Druid Hill Zoo in Baltimore, Maryland uh, as a boy, and I remember all these people lined up around this gigantic gorilla cage. It was probably small, but a little boy, it looked like it was bigger than this room. And well, we waited, and I tried to get up behind people and see this gorilla 
And this gorilla was in the cage, and uh, people were there with their little Hawkeye cameras and trying to take their little pictures. And I came up, and finally, like the parting of the Red Sea, somebody moved, and there he was. There was the gorilla. Man, that gorilla was the ugliest, smelliest, nastiest thing I'd ever seen in my life. I saw that this gorilla would even take stuff off the uh, floor of the cage and just eat whatever was there. It was the nastiest thing I'd ever seen in my life. I was horrified. And suddenly he said, we came from apes. And I said, wait a minute. I didn't go all the way back to my great, 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 great grandfather, George the Vomiting Gorilla at Druid Hill Park. No, that was not me. And I started to seek another answer and I found out something. Our uh, origins happened some 7,000 years ago where the Bible says in the beginning what? God created the heavens and the earth. And God said uh, the earth was out was without form and void and darkness is upon the face of the deep and if you study the creation account you will find just about every creative acts you will find that God himself was in the midst. There we find Christ, the pre-incarnate Christ in the garden. We find in chapter 2 of Genesis uh, chapter, see mine has a little step right here I almost fell over Genesis, I need to send you one. But anyway, Genesis chapter 2, verse 9, God said, uh, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden. And so we see that tree of life as a picture of the Lord Jesus who one day would stand before all the world and say, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. I'm glad to be able to say we can give the gospel of Jesus Christ to any young man, any young woman in the UK, and all they need to do is trust that Jesus paid the price for their sin and Jesus died and rose again and they can have that free gift, that fruit, if you will, of eternal life imparted to them. We find him in the Genesis account. If you don't believe it was him, you'll find in John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. All things were made by him and without him was not what? anything made that was made. Christ is our creator in the creation. We see him in the midst. God began to find a people for himself. He eventually called them out. And when he called them out of Egypt and took them out into uh, the Judean wilderness and out into Sinai, eventually he showed up in the midst of the cloud. He showed up there in the midst of their camp. In Exodus 24, 16, Moses went up into the mount and a cloud covered the mount and the glory of the Lord abode upon Mount Sinai. The cloud covered it six days and the seventh day. He called unto Moses out of the midst of the cloud. We find him in Deuteronomy 23, 14. The Lord thy God walketh in the midst of thy camp to deliver thee. So in the Old Testament, we find him in the midst. We find the Lord himself walking in the midst of his people in creation, in the cloud, in the camp. We find him in the congregation, in the wilderness. Psalm 22, verse 22. I will declare thy name unto my brethren. Listen, in the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. I had a man say, you just looked that up on a computer. I said, you are absolutely right. Why didn't you do it? 
Amen? And, uh, well, too busy. But anyway, uh, in the midst, and we find the Lord Jesus in the midst of the congregation. We find him in the midst of conflict and crisis in your life. He's there. You say, Pastor, I don't believe. Uh, I don't know what you don't know what I'm going through. And I know your pastor hears this regularly. Pastor, you don't know how am I going to get through this? How am I going to get through this trial? How in the world no one's ever been before been through this before? May I say to you, there is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. I've seen people with their heart broken uh, in a million pieces. I've seen long uh, hot tears coursing down their cheeks, seemingly with no end in sight. I've seen and heard the doctor's report and heard the worst thing. And yet I've also seen the fact that he said in Psalm 138.7, though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. You can't get anywhere where God's not there. Thou shalt stretch forth thy hand against the wrath of mine enemies. Thy right hand shall save me. I love the fact... Uh, of those uh, three Hebrew children, they were tossed into a burning fiery furnace. Brother, it was so hot that the men that tried to throw them in got burned up in the process of throwing them in. They threw them in. Uh, the king was very worried about this. Nebuchadnezzar was bothered about it. He went down and looked into the furnace and he said in Daniel 3 verse 24, did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? I mean, they tied them up. They were, uh, I mean, what do you have to tie up people that are going into a furnace for. But anyway, they tied them up and bound them, threw them into the fire. The Bible said they answered and said unto the king, true, O king. By the way, whatever he said, they said, true, O king. They answered and said unto the king, true. He answered and said, lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. He said, wait a minute, I see those men. They're walking around, they're not burned, they're not scalded, they're not hurt, they're not screaming as uh, people should be. The fire was heated up seven times the natural temperature of fire. I mean, brother, everything was being consumed. They threw them in and he looked at them. And then when they brought them out, he said, what happened? Their hair was not singed. Their coats were not burned. And when they got near them, they got a Baptist smoke smelling committee and, they, and there was no smell of the smoke on them. You say, man, we smoked a whole pack of Marlboros. They can't even smell one of them. Must have had, I, I know what it is. They had COVID-19, amen. Lost their smell. But I'm saying there was no smell. They couldn't smell a thing. And there was nothing there to singe their life. I get around people and they start telling me their story. And I'll say, you went through that? Are you, you went through that? Yes, sir. You endured that? Yes, sir. And I've heard it a hundred times over. I went through it, but Jesus went with me. I went through it, but Jesus was in the mess. The other side, I've met people that are bitter and angry and upset. You know, why did God allow my little doggy to get run over? And why did God allow my cat to get run over? Because I prayed. But anyway, I mean, why did all these bad things happen to me? And why? I mean, people get so upset over things. Don't get mad at me. I've never killed a kitty cat, okay? Don't get mad. So you see, uh, I've learned to love them, actually. I really do. Barbecued, fried. <laughs> 
dipped in a little honey sauce, amen? <laughs> but is everybody okay? All right. You know I'm teasing. But I don't want to get the pastor in trouble. <laughs> Man, when they preach in my church and say something like that, they don't get mad at the speaker. They get mad at me as a pastor. So, but there was no smell of the smoke. Nothing. They were fine. God was good. And they see Jesus in the midst. When Jesus came up from the Gadarenes, my wife and I got to go there a few years ago. What a desolate place down on the southeast side of the Sea of Galilee. And uh, what a desolate, just rocky place that was demon-infested demon and had a man who was named Legion full of demons and full of devils. And they come back onto the other side. And in the midst of that, uh, suddenly a great storm of wind comes up. The ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the water. The ship was in the sea, in the midst of the sea, and Jesus was in the midst of their conflict. We find the Lord Jesus in the midst of His church. What did He say? He was dealing with church discipline. But in Matthew 18, 20, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I, help me out, in the midst. He is in his church in Revelation chapter 1, verse 13, verse, uh, chapter 2 and verse 1, several other places in the book of Revelation, especially in chapter 1 through 3, you will find Jesus in the midst of his church. I would challenge you after chapter number 4 at verse number 1 to ever find a place where Christ is in the midst of the church on earth. Why? Because he's no longer there. There is going to be a day when God is going to catch his bride away. It is called the rapture, the parousia, the catching up. Somebody said, the word rapture is not in your Bible. Got bad news for you. The word Bible is not in your Bible. Did you know that? Nowhere in the Bible you find the word Bible, but we have a holy Bible. The word Trinity is not in your Bible, but how many believe in a triune God? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. I'll tell you, as, as sure as I stand here right now, the Lord Jesus is coming back for His church. He is probably going to come back much sooner than we think. It is possible He could come back while I'm preaching tonight. He could come, and if He does, there'll be nothing here but a little pile of clothes. There'll be uh, my shoes, my stuff, I won't need those. We will be clothed in white linen, which is the righteousness of the saints. Take care of our little doggie. She's out in the car, and that dog is definitely not going to heaven. Amen? I mean, so, but pray that uh, just, he is coming back. He is going to return. And you understand, until then, Christ is in the midst of his church. He said in Revelation chapter 1, verse 13, Again in chapter 2, verse number 1, In the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, gird about the paps with a golden girdle in the midst of the seven candlesticks. His head and his hair were white like, white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes were as a flame of fire. Out of his mouth goeth a sharp two-edged sword. I'm going to tell you this, friends. When Jesus comes back, it will not be this little poppy picker that they had in Hollywood. It will not be a cool hipster that's coming out with a Starbucks 
rocks in his hand, says, what's up, dudes? What's going on? Yo, lit, cool, whatever. And he's not going to come in uh, with the latest lingo and the latest language. He's going to come back as the holy, humble, harmless, undefiled son of God. Jesus is going to come. And brother, he won't be riding on a little colt, uh, the foal of a donkey this time around. He's going to come back on a white horse, a white charger, and he'll have a name, King of Kings and Lord of Lords written on his thigh. He's coming back. And he's coming back. He is in the midst of his church. And he's in the midst of his children. He made it very clear. He's going to be wherever we are. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst. My wife and I, she just snuck in the back. She's back there somewhere. Honey, I see you. All right, wave, please. All right. And uh, there's my way better half. Amen. But and, uh, there's my wife and Susan. And uh, we've been married 40 years. And God's been good to us and uh, given us five wonderful children and six beautiful grandchildren and one more on the way. How many of you believe this? That grandchildren are God's reward. Amen. And I mean, they are a blessing. And uh, we have grandchildren, and God has been good to us. And uh, I had a missionary in a few weeks ago. It was a very sad event. His daughter uh, gave birth to a baby uh, that, was, that, was, that was dead at birth. It was a very sad thing. This is the second time this has happened. They, can't, they haven't had a child yet. And her dad and mom flew in from Mexico, and a great missionary, man of God, Brother Peter Duke, and Brother Duke asked me if I would be willing to do an interview, a video for the national pastors that he trains. Brother Duke has started 16 churches in Mexico. God used them in a great and mighty way. They have some churches there that are running four and 500, 600 and one. And uh, God's using Brother Duke. You probably don't know his name, a very quiet, unassuming servant, a man of God. And I remember him sitting with me in my office, said, Pastor, and he asked me questions, and he interpreted these on a video. And he said, Pastor, how have you made it for 40 years in your ministry and in your marriage? Now, I can tell you, we could pull out a slick, brand-new book, these 19 steps to being in ministry for 40 years. And not all those are they're probably good. There are a lot of good principles that we must follow. Say amen. A lot of good things that we need to live by. There ought to be some things we say, I will do this and I will not do that. I will give myself to this and I will avoid that. There are do's and don'ts. There are rights and wrongs in this world. And there are Bible principles to live by that God wants us to, uh, to hold and value and be a part of our life. But as he asked me that question, I was kind of, Pastor, I was kind of, um, I became emotional. I said, I don't know how anybody else did it. But I can tell you this. The reason I'm sitting here today still doing what we started, it's amazing. We've had a lot of good men fall out lately. We've just lost a good man of God today. The mighty are fallen in the midst of the battle. Have you heard that classic sermon by Brother Hiles, way back in the day, that was the name of his sermon, The Mightier Fall in the Midst of the Battle. And he'd say, after he cleared his voice, and he'd say, who's going to take their place? And that's a great question. But I can tell you how we made it. I can tell you how we got through. 
We've always had Jesus with us. We've had the presence of God to help us. With His presence comes grace and power and perspective and all that we need. And we've always tried to maintain and acknowledge the manifest presence in our lives. There are three or four things that happen when we have Jesus in the midst, and I'll be through. First of all, of course, His divine presence. Psalm 1611, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In Thy presence is what? Fullness of joy. At Thy right hand are pleasures evermore. And God wants us to continue to be uh, mindful of His presence wherever we are, to realize that it is Jesus in the midst of His people. Secondly, we have His divine promises. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as of the glory of the only begotten Father, full of grace and truth. How many promises has God made that He's ever failed you? Do you know there's not one? In the most lonely and heartbroken moment of your life, the Bible says, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. His divine promises, we realize when Jesus is in the midst, we have His divine power. They brought a woman and they sat her down in the midst to the crowd. She was a wicked woman. She was, had done all kinds of bad things. But this woman, when she broke through the crowd, she finally got through to Jesus when she touched the hem of His garment. What happened? She was made every whit whole of a 12-year infirmity. God changed her life. Is God still able to save? Is God still able to reach people on the mission field? You say, well, Pastor, do you think they're... Uh, this young lady, Miss Norris, she ought to at least win 150 people to Christ every, uh, every year, so we'll support her. We don't have quotas. We have people that are laboring in difficult fields of service. We've been to some very ripe places. We went to the Philippines several times and preached, and literally thousands of people got saved. I thought I had died and gone to an evangelist heaven. I said, I'm never leaving this place. This is amazing. And then we went to uh, Mexico and Central and South America and saw hundreds and thousands of people saved by the grace of God. And then I went to an Indian reservation out in Arizona. And there were just maybe 30 or 40 people there. Missionary had been there for many, many years, scratching away, just working hard, giving himself to that ministry. There are places of fruitful service. There are places where it seems like no one will ever respond, but the gospel is still the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believe it, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. If you go to the UK tonight, a friend of mine came back a few years ago. His children were growing up. He has boys, and he said, I, the things they see on the street, I didn't want my boys exposed to. It's so bad. But how many believe that God can still save people in the UK and change lives for His glory? So we see His divine power. And above all else, when Jesus is in the midst, we have His divine peace. We're in a troublous time. I believe 
that the birth pangs have begun. My wife gave birth to five children, and especially our first baby, we were so anxious. It seemed like she said, oh, honey, uh, uh uh-oh, the baby's coming. We get everything ready. We go to the hospital and go in. Boy, we'd go in. They'd put her on one of those machines. And uh, that weird noise, I can hear today, that uh, the the sonogram and all the noise that it makes. I'm not going to imitate it or some of you women will run out of the room. But anyway, I mean, it's a bad noise. And and, uh, when they took the little scope and put it on her and made that, we hear the baby's heartbeat and this and that. And sure enough, the baby's going to come. Then they say, oh, we're sorry, Go, go back. We're sorry. Go back home. Not yet. Get a trampoline. Run around the neighborhood. Do various things. Uh, wait for the full moon. Whatever. And they said all these things. Just keep hanging in there. Seemed like that first baby would never come. We went finally, and, and it was in September of 1982. We went into the doctor and went into the, into the hospital. They said, yeah, this time baby's going to come. And my wife went into labor, and after a lot of hours, finally, we had her firstborn baby, and then another, and another. It's the same process. You understand that there have been a lot of, perhaps, seemingly uh, signs that Jesus is going to come. Man, it's going to happen. How do you remember Y2K? And remember that, Y2K? That was great. We were at Whitfield Baptist Church. In fact, Kevin Hall preached, other ones preached, and uh, uh, Travis was there, Brother Snowed. A lot of people, we had revival in Y2K, great service. And Brother Cofield invited me down for a Y2K revival. And we had a wonderful time. But we thought for sure Y2K, something great was going to occur. And our neighbor got a generator and he got water and all this stuff set up. Uh, if I was home, we were going to go over and cut off his power and turn off the water. And uh, he was going to think it really happened. He was a friend of mine, but uh, we were in, in Whitfield Baptist Church in Dalton, Georgia. So it was another time. Came and went. 2012, I heard he was going to come. It came and went. A couple of years ago, the blood moon, certainly this is it. He's going to come this time. And he didn't come. He said, Pastor, when is he going to come? He said, Brother Rossi, when is Jesus going to come? He said, we used to see all these things come to pass, know that it is near, even at the doors. And I believe this. He mentioned all these things at once. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Look it up. It's a picture of a woman giving birth. It's a picture of the birth pangs of deliverance. And when those final birth pangs start, it's not going to stop until Christ comes from heaven. He's coming. And what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to occupy till He comes. And as we have His presence, no matter how bad it gets, it's going to be tough. This has been an insane year. Do I have an amen? We've lost more than one or two. We've lost friends who've passed away. I buried a man last week. One of the saddest funerals I've ever conducted. His wife, the funeral director, and the men working on the grounds were the pallbearers to help carry the casket over and place his remains into the ground. A sad event. And we've seen a lot of things that have given our hearts much sorrow. But you understand when Jesus is in the midst, We have the peace of God. 
which passeth all understanding. And no matter what He sees us through and in, we can see our way through. We can glorify God. Some of the greatest heroes in my life, you will never hear their name. You'll never see their picture in a sort of a Lord or some fundamental publication. You'll never see their picture on a Baptist website and this is the man of God. You'll never know who they are. But I know people who've gone to a field and labored and given and poured their life into a field of service or to an unknown church in an obscure holler somewhere or men and women of God that have given their lives to the work of Christ and all the while they may not have had a large successful public ministry Jesus was in the midst of all that they did now if you'll look at Revelation 22 I will close and if you look at Revelation chapter 22 and I want to show you something and we'll be done tonight Revelation chapter 22 Have you ever done this in your life? Have you ever started to read a book and said, I think I'm going to skip ahead and find out what happens at the end? Anybody ever done that before? I have. I read a book on discipline, the disciplined life. (laughs) I looked at the back, and in the book, it said, you've already proved how greatly undisciplined you are You have looked in the back of the book. Go back to the front and read every chapter. I mean, he got me. But I've read the back of this book. And no matter what happens in our life, I've got news for you. We're on the winning side. Our God will be victorious. Our God will reign. And at the end of the Bible, in Revelation 22... The Bible says here in verse number 1, beginning there, He showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. And what? Verse 2, in the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, yielded her fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. There shall be what? No more curse. But the throne of God, the Lamb, shall be in it. His servants shall serve Him. They shall see His face, and His name shall be in their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light. They shall reign forever and ever. And you understand? In the first garden... There's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There was the tree of life, but there was that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In this last garden, in this last glorious city of God, in this place where we'll spend eternity forever, we find in the midst of the street of it, and on the either side of the river, of the river was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manners of fruit. Understand that Jesus is in the first garden and He's going to be in the last. He is Alpha, He is Omega. He's the beginning, He's the end. 
He's the A to the Z. He is the, uh, the Greek alphabet from the first letter to the last. And do you understand that Jesus is going to be in the midst of His people? Now, I pray, Miss Norris, I pray that you get raptured out of the UK. That'd be awesome. And I pray that on your way up into heaven, you have a sinner in each hand. And as you go up, you say, you want to get saved now or should I let go? And I mean, I pray that when you get raptured out of the UK, there'll be that group that's with you that because God's people have sent you from a church like this in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, because people said rather than get a new car this year or new things or a new house or a new whatever, I'm going to give more money to missions than I've ever done before. And then watch God work through that money and still give you all the other stuff before it's all over with anyway. How many of you found that to be true? And then rather than ramble, which I could for another hour, because this is true what I'm preaching to you tonight. Rather than ramble and kill the meeting, I want you to come back tomorrow night. We're going to consider some things that have to do with the last days, where we are in time, in space, and eternity. But no matter where we go, no matter what we do, if we're saved, you and I can say that we have Jesus in the midst. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.